How's it going, folks? Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and hopefully one day soon a true proletarian revolution. But until that day comes, I am your host, Josh, and I'd like to say welcome to the show. I hope everyone is doing well. I hope with everything going on in the world that people are staying as safe, sane, and as sanitary as possible as the COVID pandemic continues its ongoing onslaught of the masses of people across the world. As the United States nears the 800,000 death mark from the COVID-19 pandemic, many of us are left questioning whether or not this was something that could have been avoided. Now, I say that in that way because the average person, I would say, does not quite understand that the 800,000 deaths uh, that have occurred to this point in the United States from COVID-19 is not a normality. The average person in the United States is meant to be convinced that this is just something that happens, that we are in the middle of a global pandemic, and so of course people are going to die. But in fact, this can't be true, because if we look at countries like China, if we look at countries like Vietnam, if we look at countries like Nicaragua and Venezuela and Cuba, we see clear examples of what happens when a country dedicates a portion of its GDP to its citizens' health services and actually commits to maintaining a healthy and safe environment for the masses of people within the nation. This is not something that just happens. This is something that happens under a capitalist system. And this is something that happens under a capitalist system because it is, in fact, un, uh, it is not within the interests of the ruling class to actually provide the masses of people within the society what they require. Because in doing so, it, in fact, forces itself to have to give up a portion of its profits that it continues to make during the largest uh, pandemic, at least in recent history, uh, it continues to increase the wealth and control that the few and privileged people within society have over the resources, land, labor, and wealth of this country. Within the United States, we have seen the uh, uh, creation of something like a dozen or more new billionaires who have made a majority of their profits during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, of course, this is because these individuals are able to eat up different sectors, eat up different resources and labor forces during the pandemic while a majority of us are in crisis, while a majority of us are worrying whether or not we will have enough funds to pay rent or to pay for groceries next week, there are some who are milking billions off of the top of our own labor. And so it is imperative that we recognize that this pandemic is yet another symptom of the capitalist system and in fact cannot be effectually eliminated until the capitalist system itself is also eliminated. Um, So anyways... Uh, yeah, this is the situation we find ourselves in today, and I think the 
uh, you know, majority of you who are listening know that this situation is not, you know, something that has to do with a few people's, you know, maybe ignorance towards medical science. This is not uh, necessarily symptomatic of, you know, conservatives and others uh, among the masses being uh, uh, um, questioning the uh, medical sciences, whether um, that be for legitimate or illegitimate reasons. Um, this cannot be truly put to uh, the cross on what caused this pandemic to continue as it has. Because, in fact, if it were not for the system, which created doctors who do experimentations on black, brown, and indigenous people. This is the system that decided that, in fact, it would be vaccines that would save us, not effective lockdowns and funds given to working class people so that they don't have to work. Uh, It is the system that decided that rent and other things are more important for landlords to have than houses are for houseless people to have. Um, It is the system that, uh, you know, has globalized to a level where it cannot function uh, successfully without seeing the influx of foreign goods, uh, capital, and individuals into uh, this country and others in order for it to continue forward. Uh, It is this system, the capitalist system, that requires constant importation of capital, of labor of resources and so it is this system capitalism which is at the base the reason as to why this pandemic not only began but also why it continues as it does today so today we are going to be talking about how it is that this capitalist system today seems to be keeping itself alive we are going to talk a little bit about the uh, influence of propaganda, as well as the importance of active and militant organizing as the one and only objective um, uh, block towards uh, propaganda and uh, conservative reactionary organizations themselves. So I hope you folks enjoy the show. I hope that what I speak to is uh, relevant and educational. Um, And before we get into it, I would like to recommend a few shows for you folks to go check out yourselves that help to inspire the talking points and the conversation that I plan on having today. So first and foremost, I would like to hold up, as always, by any means necessary with Jackie Lukemont and Sean Blackman. Uh, You can listen to their most recent episode, Amazon and Candle Factory Tornado Deaths Are Products of Corporate Greed. I just finished listening to the episode titled UK Helps U.S. Prosecute Julian Assange for Challenging Imperialism. I recently listened to an episode of This Is Hell. Uh, Let me see if I can find it here. Sorry, I'm driving. I probably shouldn't be doing this while driving. But uh, it's titled On School Surveillance. I also recently listened to an episode by um, the uh, Red Nation podcast titled Shut Down Red Hill, Um, and I've listened to a few uh, YouTube videos from People's Dispatch and Redfish Media over the last few days. Um, I try as best as I can to keep up with 
uh, different um, news sources such as Black Agenda Report, such as People's Dispatch, such as Liberation News, among others, uh, who have social media pages, newspapers, uh, websites, etc. Um, and I also really enjoy uh, listening to, as I've already mentioned, podcasts. So for me, I've found that I really don't take much of an interest in, um, you, you know, I really like music, but I don't really take much of an interest in the production and development of different music genres and stuff. You know, I enjoy listening to conversation about it, but I don't do too much research into it. Um, what I do love to know about is history. I love to know about uh, political, economic issues happening all over the world. And I love to be able to study them in a scientific manner so that if slash when, if it has not already come, this problem comes to uh, the United States, this is something that I and others can have a material understanding of and do studies into in order to know how to practically attack these issues head on. Um, so yeah, uh, anyways, uh, there's been some great content which I've been able to check out. I am currently reading with some friends of mine, uh, Blood in My Eye by George Jackson, and so that has also helped to, uh, garner some of the discussions that I plan on having today. But anyways, before I, you know, get too far off into a ramble about where I, uh, really was inspired to have this conversation, let's have this conversation. So anyways, I, uh, you know, I've read this book before titled, uh, How Propaganda Works. And one of the main, uh, arguments that it makes in that book is that there are many, many multifaceted ways as to how the ruling class powers of every system, not just the United States, not just the capitalist one, but how every ruling class, uh, controls, manipulates, and dominates the, uh, overall ideological sphere. Um, I've also read other works that have to do with, uh, unraveling the, uh, propaganda which you and I listen to and are taught as a foundation to our understanding of the world, such as, uh, two great works which I could not recommend. The one, uh, the People's History of the United States of America by Howard Zinn, which I have been able to complete and have discussed before on the show, but also an indigenous people's history of the United States by Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz, which I have begun but have not been able to finish. And thirdly, I would mention also Afro-Indigenous People's History of the United States by Kyle T. Mays, who was recently on East as a Podcast, I believe it was, and also there was one other show they were on, but I can't remember. It might have been This Is Hell. Um, but anyways, yeah, so the, the dominant force within the United States, which is the ruling class, has many different ways in which it controls your thinking. It has many ways in which it controls the actions, the narratives, and the ideals of the masses of people, not only here within the United States, but also under the hegemonic role and rule of the United States around the world, whether that be Israel, whether that be Brazil, South Africa. Um, there are plenty of places around the world which take the uh, uh, 
the example of the United States and whether through direct influence of the United States itself or inspiration, which also seems to oftentimes be backed up by financial compensation by the United States, regardless of how it is that this uh, influence comes into fruition, it is clear that the United States inspires ruling class uh, um, uh, authoritarian uh, governments all across the world and has for plenty of time in history to continue the work that the United States is uh, properly pursuing, which is imperialism and uh, um, capitalist exploitation. But I, uh, I just would like to say here that, you know, how is it that if, you know, because I think that a lot of us listening to this podcast know this, right? And I'm kind of having time and time again on this podcast conversations that may not be for folks who have a general understanding of the picture we're looking at now. But I like to be able to talk about it from multiple different perspectives and have very similar conversations because it shows how all of this really connects. And so I think that the average working person recognize, recognizes that something is wrong. You know, the common person who lives here in the United States either works one full-time job, works a full-time job and a part-time job, or works multiple part-time jobs. And so, you know, I think that it's hard to do that without really seeing the ways in which those jobs take advantage of people. And then also, let us not forget that those of us who do not have employment, which there is on average anywhere between 10 and, you know, 40 million people in this country every single year who do not have any employment, any stable income whatsoever, that the IRS would be considering, you know, a career or a stable job. Um, These people also recognize the exploitation and the oppression that they're under and oftentimes more directly recognize it because I think a lot of people who work, a lot of people who maybe are privileged enough to have employment, uh, even though this, you know, kind of seems like an oxymoron, privileged enough to have employment. But anyways, those of us who do labor in this country and have been able to keep a job during the pandemic and have had some form of a consistent income, we think that A, this separates us from the rest of the people. B, we think that this job and a job alone is what can bring us up out of the struggles which we are suffering every single day. And C, the last point is if we don't think this job is what's going to do it for us, a lot of us are convinced that another job is what's going to give us what we need. But we must understand clearly that within a capitalist system, there are two directly oppositional classes. One is the haves, the other is the have-nots. Now, it would implore us to understand that the haves have no interest whatsoever, no direct reason as to why they should provide the have-nots with anything that they do not have. Because at the end of the day, as far as the ruling class is concerned, these people are disposable. 
This is why 800,000 people have died from the COVID pandemic. This is why so many people die in the private prison system. This is why the police get away with murdering black, brown, and indigenous human beings on this earth, in this country, every single day. This is why elderly people and disabled folks are sent off into day habs or into facilities where the staff just basically watches them until they die. Uh, and, and really with the intention of them dying so they can put someone else in their bed and siphon out someone else's retirement funds. This is why this system during the COVID pandemic has done absolutely nothing to ensure the actual safety and stoppage of this spreading of this virus. This is why we have focused so heavily exclusively on vaccines so that we can keep these jobs open, so that we can keep these schools open, so that we can keep people fueling this economy. But we must understand that this is not our economy. When we talk about America, as Sean points out in uh, the last episode uh, of By Any Means Necessary in an interview, when we talk about America, we say we. When we talk about the United States military, we say we. When we talk about the U.S. economy, we say we. But these are not us. These are not our things. These are not of us, and they are not for us either. That is why it is us who die in the military. That is why it is your brothers and your fathers and your uncles and your grandpas who died in wars before. And that is why it is now your sisters and your aunts and your nieces and your cousins and your grand, uh, you know, mothers who may in some way or another be taken advantage of by this capitalist system, whether it be now that the U.S. military has decided that everyone can be conscripted into an imperialist war, regardless of gender, whether it be because during the period in times in which men have frequently been taken from the workforce, that women and non-men have been taken advantage of and sent into the workforce. This is why when, on average, the militaries of the world go to war, those of us who are not a part of these criminal, warmongering, elite, uh, uh, you know, groups, this is why we are forced to pick up the scraps from underneath us when they are being killed by other working class people in a country which probably none of them even knew existed before the war started. This system is incapable incapable has nothing to do with the wants has nothing to do with the interests of the working class although it should be clear that the wants and interests of the working class are directly opposed to the wants and interests of the ruling class and so it has nothing to do with the kindness or the evilness or the 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 ignorance of these individuals, whether they be working or ruling class, but it has to do with the system, which requires a ruling class to oppress a working class to continue going forward. Now, of course, this system is going to lead to very blatant antagonisms and contradictions. One would, you know, be quite foolish to think that it wouldn't. 
So the ruling class throughout history, time and time again in different periods of, you know, development of human societies, has procured and created different institutions, different practices, different systems and and groupings and ideologies and, and military structures and prison systems to ensure that the reality as it stands is masked. To ensure that the contradictions between the rich and the poor, the contradictions between, you know, the folks who are taken advantage of and the folks who do the uh, taking advantage of, the folks who exploit versus those who are exploited, those contradictions are hidden behind smoke screens, behind uh, progressive ideals, behind supposed gains. The Bernie Sanders, AOC, Elizabeth Warrens, all of these people are smoke screens. The Nordic state, democracy as a blatant distraction of the very indifference between the monarch and democratic system, the very minute differences between a parliamentary and an absolute society, these contradictions, right, are masked for the purpose of continued control of the working class. The working class is constantly taken control of. But yet the only times in which you ever hear any conversation about this becoming a part of the, you know, uh, uh, mainstream conversation is things such as, uh, oh, the masses of people are being forced to wear a mask. Get over yourself. The masses of people in the global south are being forced to die because none of them are able to get access to vaccines. So if you're worried about wearing a mask, how about you go ahead and fucking die? Because not for nothing, that's what the majority of people are being forced to do. Not only are the majority of people being forced to, you know, die in these countries because they're incapable of getting a mask, but they're also forced to die because whatever food, whatever medicine, whatever clothing, whatever, you know, uh, uh, water, whatever products and resources that they can develop get taken directly from their hands and placed into the hands of the elite ruling classes of the imperialist nations. So, propaganda is not just, you know, advertisements or uh, miseducation. Propaganda is also a military-industrial complex. Propaganda is also a private healthcare system. Propaganda is also a, you know, supposed democratic representative government. This is all propaganda. So the point that I really want to make, and I think the point that is really important that we stress time and time again, is what needs to be done about this. Because it's very clear, at least to myself, what lies ahead of us, right? We know, at least we should, and if we don't, let me do a little explaining. We know that in this country, the people who stand up against not only 
this country's ruling class, but also the system that built this country's ruling class, the capitalist system. The folks who stand up against this system worldwide are made example of. That is what happens and is happening to folks like Julian Assange, uh, Mumia Abu-Jamal, uh, 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 oh Dr. Shakur, I can't think of his first name. Uh, oh, geez, Louise, I can't think of his name. They just did an episode about him on By Any Means Necessary. Uh, Dr. Shakur, who has been in prison for more than 30 years, uh, he is akin to folks like Jaleel Muntakim, right? Um, someone who was arrested for their activism and organizational efforts within their community and made an example of for the radical and revolutionary politics that they pushed forward. Because folks like even, you know, MLK Jr., right? Uh, if, if you take it back even to, you know, the, the person who inspired someone like MLK Jr., Gandhi, even Gandhi did jail time. Even Gandhi, you know, was attacked by the state. But the difference was that when, you know, folks like Malcolm X or, you know, Huey P. Newton, uh, Asada Shakur, uh, when folks like this came out and said, you know, you can pluck our, our, you know, our comrades off the side of the street, but we're going to keep building. We're going to keep building a revolutionary movement. When Fred Hampton stood up and said, you know, you can kill a revolutionary, but you can't kill the revolution. They killed him because what he was saying was too revolutionary for what they were willing to accept. And let us not forget that this system is willing to accept a certain level of radicalism. That is why folks like Bernie Sanders are able to get the platform that they do, because that is the bar by which this system is willing to co-opt. Now, it's not willing to co-opt to a point that says, no, we need dual power and we need to overthrow the capitalist system. It's only willing to co-opt as far enough as social democracy that says, no, we can reform the system. But this co-option, this movement to the left is not going to continue happening and it, it will not, you know, bear any fruit if it does not have a mass movement which is pushing it forward. The representatives within government today will pass legislation. They will speak to certain issues. They will call out certain contradictions. But then they will double back. They will lie. They will go back and become hypocrites. They will stand against their actions. They will uh, uh, advocate for something in a campaign and yet go completely against it in their administration as the Obama administration did, as the Biden administration is doing, as the Bushes, the Clintons, and, and, and the, uh, you know, all of them do. Because this is the objective of the ruling class system is to take hold and to concentrate its power and to do whatever it can to siphon off the radical and revolutionary streams within the working class movement towards the system itself. That is why the abolition of police became the defunding of police. That is why the want for a revolutionary, independent, oppositional party that does more than just participate in electoral politics became the Green Party. That is why the Occupy Wall Street movement began to feed in to the democratic system yet again. It is because this system is fully capable and willing 
to co-opt and siphon in any radical streams that it can without ultimately putting itself too far on the limb. And so we have to understand if that is the case, then every time that happens, we have to push our politics that much further left. We have to be that much more revolutionary. We have to take that much more of a grounded and materialist analysis of the situation because now the smokescreen is up yet again. We have to understand that none of this can be done outside of grassroots movements and organization. We have to understand that none of this can be solely done within the field of writing, within the field of academia, within the field of theory. We have to understand that theory must become practice. We have to understand that praxis is an active push to put theory into material practice. We have to understand that right now the situation calls for many things, but what it does not call for is class collaboration. What it does not call for is appeasement to the status quo. What it does not call for is liberal bourgeois politics. And so at the end of the day, I believe that the system is calling for, as I said, many things. But none of these things can be developed outside of a revolutionary mass organization. Now, folks like, by any means necessary, People's Dispatch, etc., they call themselves, well, I don't know if by any means necessary does, but basically, you know, you might see them in this sphere of movement news, like with the Real News Network or Black Agenda Report or... Uh, liberation news, right? And this is important because we continuously are seeing that whether it be Chicano or Latinx folks, whether it be black, uh, you know, folks in the uh, Caribbean, black folks in Africa, black folks in the United States, whether it be the indigenous peoples here on Turtle Island or in uh, Hawaii facing off against the imperialist uh, uh Regimes, whether it be the indigenous peoples in Brazil or the indigenous peoples of Chile, the people all across the world are rising up. They are building movements. They are organizing uh, uh, mass demonstrations. They are developing mutual aid networks. They are building forces. Now, this is the important thing because all of the prerequisites to a mass organization have been developing. The struggle has been continuing since 1492 on Turtle Island. The struggle has not stopped. And so that quantity of how many different groups, of how many different individuals, of how many different strategies, of how many different events, of how many different uprisings, strikes, unions, uh, communist parties, uh, community gardens, community self-defense groups, uh, you know, political organizations, etc. All of these over time develop into new quality programs. And so these new quality programs, right, have developed into today an understanding that it is in fact only a revolutionary mass organization intent on taking power from the ruling class and wielding it by the majority of people administrating the government themselves through a dictatorship of the proletariat with connection to the poor peasantry and lumpen proletariat as we might understand them and a direct uh, uh, influx of true workers and people's quote-unquote democracy 
into the government and political structures as they exist, but also a development out of these old bureaucratic systems, a development of new revolutionary governments, a development of dual power, a development of community control, a development of actual consequences being able to be levied against those who do not hold up to their word as representatives of the people that can actually make those who go against their word, that can actually make those who go against the people suffer consequences for doing so. With the Gislaine Maxwell, or excuse me, the Gislaine Maxwell trial continuing, my, my question time and time again is, who will hold them accountable? What will happen if and when the judge and the jury find these individuals like Donald Trump, Bill Gates, Ivanka Trump, um, uh, 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 there's plenty of others and I can't think of anyone. But anyways, what happens when these people walk not guilty? So I think our question, you know, of, you know, what, what are we going to do? That's, that's what I hear most people saying. What, what are we going to do? Well, what have people done before? What have people done all across the world to, to take control of the situation? Well, they've figured out what the fuck is wrong. And by, by that, I don't just mean, you know, having an understanding that, okay, this system is built on haves and have-nots. That's not enough. We have to have a deep understanding of the political and economic developments that have built the base of this society. We have to understand the superstructure. We have to understand the different contradictions between not only the ruling class and the working class, we have to understand also the contradictions within the ruling class and the working class. We have to understand the contradictions between the petty bourgeois and the proletariat. We have to understand the contradictions between the proletariat and what we might call the lumpen proletariat or the peasantry. We have to understand the contradictions between the great, uh, 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 I should say the great contradiction between the uh, global north and the global south. We have to understand the contradictions between the imperial core nations and the imperialized nations. We have to understand the contradictions between the formerly colonized nations and the formerly colonizing nations. We have to understand these contradictions because as we take control, as the people take hold of their own destiny and their own communities, they will be faced with problems of inequality. They will be faced with problems of discrimination. They will be faced with problems of poverty, of prostitution, of uh, 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 protracted people's war. We will be faced with so many issues and contradictions between, you know, cis folks and trans folks. We will be faced with so many contradictions between the rural and urban communities that have, divide, that have divided us within not only this nation, but across the world. We must understand the contradictions that have developed and how they have developed. From this point forward, once we have a true grasp of what is going on, once we have a true study and deep analysis of the material base to our struggle today, we then must take hold of the struggle and not simply wage a defensive 
uh, 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 struggle, but wage an offensive revolutionary struggle. We must build mass organizations. We must develop secondary media. We must develop popular education. We must build self-defense networks. We must take hold of production. We must unionize factories. We must take control of lands. We must block off resources. We must shut down pipelines. We must defend indigenous communities, defend Chicano and Latinx communities, defend uh, indigenous and, and other communities. We must defend women and transgender folks. We must build actual organizations that are capable of achieving not only these objectives, but what these objectives lead to, which is a revolution. And we must understand that this revolution has a logical conclusion. If we stop at any point, if we falter, if we go for any opportunism, if we decide at a moment's notice that we don't want to do the revolution anymore, that in fact we're comfortable here in the global north, in the United States, well then we must understand that those people who feel this way, that those people who are unwilling to lead the revolution through to its logical conclusion cannot lead the revolution. And if those people are only ones that are calling out revolution, then those of us who recognize that these people are not true to their word must also be teaching the masses. We must be building our base. We must be connecting with the people. We must be giving them encouragement, education, and emboldness in order to take their own destinies into their own hands. Now, we recognize here in the United States that all of these issues exist, and yet we are doing almost absolutely nothing to build a revolutionary movement that is going to sweep the ruling class away from the uh, positions of power in order to fix these problems. We must understand there's no oppositional party to decide that Donald Trump or some other Democrat isn't going to be president in 2024. We have no oppositional party that is going to put socialists and communists in the houses of government here in the United States. We have no oppositional party that is going to elect socialist mayors. We have ones that are trying to but we don't have ones that are doing it. And when they fail, we must learn from their failures. When they fail, they must learn from their failures. When we fail, we must move forward and we must take the successes that exist within those failures and grow them, develop them, water them, and see them seed. 26,000 people voted for uh, Rojas in New York City, the PSL's candidate for mayor. If every single one of those 26,000 people had a, you know, a dedicated revolutionary on their doorstep the day after they cast that ballot to talk to them about why they did it, what they can do to participate, how we can help to achieve their goals, even now that Kathy Rojas did not get elected. We have to get each one of those 26,000 plus more to join the PSL if we think that the PSL is what's going to do it. If we want groups like the PSL to be able to lead a revolutionary movement in this country, they have to tap into the revolutionary movement and be able to wield it and be able to guide it as the people need be. If the PSL or whatever, you know, revolutionary organization you want to be talking about here 
consistently makes mistakes, consistently falls to the same patterns and is unwilling, incapable, and unachieving in its aims, then we must build other revolutionary organizations that are able to become the vanguard of this movement today. If the PSL, this, that, or the third organization is not something you are willing to join, then you have to build your own organization because you're not going to do it alone. You're not going to do it reading your books. You're not going to do it posting on your you know, social media. You're not going to do it such as myself just recording this podcast or doing a blog. You're not going to do it just through content creation. You have to somehow find a way to either participate with or support mass movements and mass organizations because this is the way in which history has revolutionarily changed for the better throughout time and it is the only way that we know today in order to do it tomorrow. If you are still listening, thank you so much, folks. I hope that this episode was moderately informative and educational. I hope that it wasn't too repetitive on what I've talked about before. And I hope that you will take this in stride and recognize that all of us need to be doing what we can do. If content creation is all you can do, fucking salute to you. Keep that shit up. But as soon as you can do more, you better do it. If you yourself have the ability to join an organization, you are unwilling to do so because you think that this or that organization is not revolutionary enough, well then, my friend, then make them more revolutionary by joining. And if upon joining that organization proves to be true as you thought to an unrevolutionary project, then you yourself must be implored with building your own recognize that community-led organizations, grassroots-led organizations are the ones that lead to material changes and recognize also that it is grassroots local organizations that must serve as the nucleus for a truly revolutionary vanguard to lead a mass movement, not only here in the United States, but around the world. If you look at in India, if you look at like Kerala, And the way in which Kerala was able to influence and help participate in the farmers movement that just took place, you will understand that community control of the resources, destinies, and power is the first place that we start and the only way in which we can actually lead towards more change. Because until we are in control, we are under control. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Stay safe and stay revolutionary. Bye.